Welcome to the Mustang UMC podcast recorded each Sunday morning during our 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. services. We invite you to join us in praise and worship during that time, and our hope is that this podcast serves as an encouragement for you and for your family in your daily life. invite you to remain risen in body or in spirit as we hear the word of the Lord. Today our scripture comes from the book of Psalms chapter 111 verses 1 through 10. Let's give our attention to the reading of God's holy word. Praise the Lord. I will thank the Lord with all my heart as I meet with his godly people. How amazing are the deeds of the Lord. All who delight in him should ponder them. Everything he does reveals his glory and majesty. His righteousness never fails. He causes us to remember his wonderful works. How gracious and merciful is our Lord. He gives food to those who fear him. He always remembers his covenant. He has shown his great power to his people by giving them the lands of other nations. All he does is just and good, and all his commandments are trustworthy. They are forever true. To be obeyed faithfully and with integrity, he has paid a full ransom for all his people. He has guaranteed his covenant with them forever. What a holy, awe-inspiring name he has. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true wisdom. All who obey his commandments will grow in wisdom. Praise him forever. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. You all may be seated. Let us pray. And so God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this word. We thank you for these people. And we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. May his truth and his love and his goodness be revealed to us this day. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I imagine some of you may have seen the the same meme floating around uh, on Facebook or Twitter uh, from time to time that says this, what if all you had today was what you thanked God for yesterday? What if all that you woke up with today was what you happened to thank God for yesterday? Now, um, for some of us, we may think, well, I might get rid of a few things I didn't like anyways, right? But but when I see this, I think about just how, how easy it is to take things for granted. And how simple it is for us not to be people of gratitude, especially in the world that we live in that is full of ungratefulness and that is full of complaining, that's full of misery, and that's full of this word called entitlement. Now, often when we think about entitlement, we think that entitlement is somebody else's problem. It's those people, whoever they are, they are the ones that struggle with entitlement but I think entitlement really for all of us is, is something that we all struggle with. We live in a world and we live amongst people and we are people who think, well, I deserve better. How dare somebody treat me like that? Don't they know who I am? We, we, we struggle in this entitlement world that we have. And one of the things that we particularly feel entitled to as people is happiness, we, we feel that we have this, that we should all be entitled to be happy, right? We even have it in some of our founding documents as a country, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But I think about uh, what, what Don Draper said in Mad Men one time. He says, what is happiness? It's a moment before you need more happiness. 
right? I mean, that, that happiness is just this idea of, of when I get it, I, uh, I want, I'm glad I have it, but then I want more, right? Now, some of you know I'm an Oklahoma State fan, so I don't know what happiness is anyways, but... Um, <laughs> um, uh, but, you know, what, what was funny was when I was talking to people about the football game yesterday, uh, um, and OU fans, um, they, they, they had happiness for a quarter. But if you ask an OU fan if they're happy today, they're like, no. Like, that was just like, I mean, that game, it left everybody miserable, right? Like, you score one touchdown, let's score another one. You have one good quarter, let's have another one. Let's have another one. We always want more, more, more. We keep chasing after this rabbit of happiness. At the moment we have it, it escapes our grasp, and it goes on to the next thing. Now, I don't think happiness is a terrible thing, but I don't think it's the goal that we have. Because, again, it just keeps going and it keeps going. And it kind of reminds me that life is a little bit of like a greyhound race. If you've ever seen one of those, they, they have like this bunny, this mechanical bunny that's at the front of the track that's just constantly out of the reach of the greyhounds that are racing. And they, they keep it just out in front, and those, those dogs will just keep running around in circles. As I was preparing for my sermon, doing hard, intense research for you all. To learn. I was Googling greyhound, bunnies, all this sort of stuff to make sure I did it right. And I saw a video, it was real grainy or I'd show it to you, of like there was this greyhound race with the mechanical bunny that was leading the way. But then all of a sudden another bunny raced across the track and all those dogs turned around to chase the real thing. It was great. Um, so, but, but here is life, right? And that is life too, right? We're pursuing something and then something shiny comes along. And we're like squirrel and we go this way to chase after happiness, we lose our way time and time again, and we just keep going and going and going and going and going and going. And so it makes me think of another theologian who one time said these words, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. It's Ferris Bueller, right? Some of you are like, I've heard that before. What is that? Yeah, I know. it. Isn't that true? Like life moves and it goes and it goes and... And all of a sudden, you know, you realize, where did it go? Uh, I think of, of Andy Bernard from The Office who said, why don't we know we're in the good old days when we're already in them? Why is it that we have to look back? Why is it that we can't recognize what's going on? I think it is this constant chasing after happiness because we feel entitled we feel entitled that life should be better than it is. We feel entitled that everybody should get along. We feel entitled of so many things in this never-ending pursuit of happiness. And so really part of our goal is, is, to how, is not to live entitled, but to live content. In fact, there's this difference, right, between entitlement, which is, again, this relentless pursuit of happiness and this idea of contentment of being okay, of, of finding the good in every situation. It makes me, um, Paul in his letter to the Philippians, we, we know Philippians 4.13, right? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And, and we think that what that means is that I can do anything, right? Just I, with the help of God, can do and accomplish anything. And that's what we Americans have made that verse to be. But that is not what that verse means because we have to read Philippians 4, 12, where Paul says, I have learned the secret to being content in any circumstance, that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. The goal here is being content no matter what the circumstances are. Paul says that we can find a way through the strength of God to be content in the midst of it. Now, this is good news for some of you all, 
Because this week, you're going to have a struggle. Because you're going to have to find contentment with some of your loved ones. Now, some of your loved ones, no problem being content. But others of your loved ones, and you know who they are. And as I said in the first service, if you don't know who they are, it might be you. (laughs) It's hard. And, And it's easy. And again, this is part of the entitlement world is it's easy to complain. It's easy to be frustrated. It's easy to to be brought down. But contentment and joy, those things are hard to find. And so we have to be intentional about it. And that's what I love about this psalm that we read. Because the psalmist is teaching us and is reciting reasons why we can be grateful. And what we have to be thankful for no matter the circumstances. No matter what is going on. And so I want us to walk through this psalm. Psalm 111. Because it is this psalm of gratitude and thanksgiving. It begins with the psalmist. He thanks God for his people. He says, praise the Lord. I will thank the Lord with all my heart as I meet with his godly people. That this is part of what he is excited about as being assembled as a community of of faith. That it is, as, as Stephen and Tiffany were saying, about being part of a community that's bigger than ourselves. And so we are thankful that we get to be together with one another. And so it's easy to miss that sometimes. And maybe sometimes we can focus on all the negative things that have happened with God's people. But what if we began every worship and what if we began our time just really thanking God for the people that he surrounded us with? Or if we go out in, in, different, uh, in different Thanksgiving gatherings or different communities, how am I going to be thankful for the people that God has brought to my life? And then he goes on and he, and he begins to kind of call on us to remember our story. And so he says to thank God for his actions. How amazing are the deeds of the Lord. All who delight in him, in him should ponder them. Everything he does reveals his glory and majesty. His righteousness never fails. He causes us to remember his wonderful works. And so the, the psalmist wants us to remember what God has done in history. What it is, and, and sometimes again, it's easy not to be able to remember. When we're caught up in a moment of history where it feels like there's flames everywhere, to look back and say, God, you got people out of the fire before. And you can do it again. And so we remember what God has done before because we trust and believe that he can do it again. And the the psalmist then talks about the acts of generosity that God has had. He says, how gracious and merciful is our Lord. He gives food to those who fear him. He always remembers his covenant. He has shown his great power to his people by giving them the lands of the other nations. And so the psalmist is talking about the people of Israel. Now, um, and, and he's recounting them the major story of the people of Israel, which is simply this. God's people were slaves. They cried out to God, and God came and met them. He released them from slavery, and he led them from slavery into the promised land. He fed them. There was manna from heaven. When they got tired of manna, he even gave them quail. He led them, all right, with a, a cloud by day and a fire by night. He led them each step of the way and he took them into the the promised land they went on this journey now for the Israelites and even today for the Jewish people when they get together for their Seder meal which is their Passover meal which is where we sort of get our communion meal from they don't say there once were people who were slaves they say we were slaves 
I once was a slave. It's not something that happened to them sometime, someplace, which is easy for us to do. But instead, they put themselves in the middle of the story as a reminder that God meets us right there. And that what happened to our ancestors happens to us. And so you and I, we once were slaves and God has rescued us. You and I were people who were blind, but now we could see. You and I were people who struggled, but God has healed us. He brought us hope. He brought us life. That what happened to them happens to us. And we can embody that as well. And so he has walked with them. And then the psalmist goes on and he thanks God for his commandments. He says, all he does is just and good and all his commandments are trustworthy. They are forever true to be obeyed faithfully and with integrity. He has paid a full ransom for his people. He has guaranteed his covenant with them forever. Now we are not people who sit around and thank God for his commandments. And that's because we don't like rules. I mean, you know why we have all these rules and all these laws, right? It's because common sense doesn't work, right? There are some times where it's like, well, if people would just think about it, they wouldn't do that. But yeah, but people don't think. And so we have all these rules and all these laws that we have. Now, we don't like obeying them. We don't like obeying them um, in, a, in a family. We don't like obeying them in society. We don't always like obeying them, but they're good. And God's commandments, particularly his commandments, are good for us. Now, we don't always understand why. We don't always understand what, but we can trust and understand that they are good for us. Now, I, I think about um, back in, in 2020... My, my wife and I, back in November of 2020, we got COVID. And we had to set up a new rule in our house. Because the first day when we got COVID, we were just laying there on the couch not doing anything because we didn't feel good at all. And our boys didn't have it, so we had to keep them away. And um, gosh, that I don't even know. That was two years ago, so they would have been in third and fifth grade. And um, it was right after Halloween. This is important. And so we said, boys, just fend for yourself. So what did they do? huge bag so we go into the room that they were in huge bag of candy wrappers just trash so you know what candy's in our room now right I mean we don't eat any of it (laughs) right I mean so like we have these rules right because eating all that candy is not good for you Right? And, and so we have, and so as, as parents and as, as leaders, we have these things that we set up, these commandments, because they help us to be able to better live lives that are faithful. But we don't like rules when we're kids. We don't like rules when we're adults. We don't like commandments, but his commandments are good for us, and that's what I have to trust and understand. I don't always understand them. I don't always agree with them sometimes. But I do want us as a people to follow God's commandments because they are good for us. And then at the end, the psalmist thanks God for God. What a holy and awe-inspiring name he has. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true wisdom. All who obey his commandments will grow in wisdom. Praise him forever. Now there's this phrase, fear of the Lord, um, that we we have. That um, we we sometimes wonder, okay, what what does this phrase mean, right? That what does it mean to to fear the, the Lord? 
Um, and sometimes when we think about that, we, we think of how we normally use a lot of fear, right? I'm afraid of, should I fear the Lord like I, I fear snakes, spiders, clowns, or any of your other fears that you may have? Is that what that means, to cower? And I think the first thing that we have to understand is, is who is the Lord? Because our concept of God, how we view God, really determines what we mean by fear. Because there are some of us who in this room, we, we maybe when we say to fear the Lord, we think about sort of this like mean, harsh father. And maybe that's because some of you had a mean, harsh father who you were never good enough for, who you could never please, and who you never felt loved you. And you were afraid that if you said the wrong thing or did the wrong thing, that you would upset him. Maybe it was your mother or your grandmother. I don't know who it was, right? That the fear of the Lord was you were afraid and you were compliant because you didn't believe that that person was good. And sometimes we believe that about God, right? I think about Bruce Almighty, smite me, you mighty smiter, he cried out. Like this is sometimes how we see God as not good, as harsh, as judgmental. Now other times we can have this other concept of God, like this, this doting grandfather who doesn't matter what we do because he's going to give us candy anyways. But really the truth is, is that our God is a good father who loves us, who calls us to holiness, who calls us to follow his commandments while also giving grace upon grace. He's kind and humble. We, we see this beautiful image of who God is. And so if we have this concept of God about who God is, as somebody who's loving and who's kind, who speaks the truth, who gives commandments but also offers grace and forgiveness, then we can begin to walk this road together. Now it is, uh, I don't even know, November the 20th. Um, and on November the, the 20th, some of you have already decorated your house for Christmas. Who has decorated their house for Christmas? Raise your hand. Some of you are already being judged. You're like, uh-uh. It's not even Thanksgiving. Others of you are like, it's been Christmas for a couple months. And if one or two of you is like, well, I've had my Christmas lights up since last year anyway. So <laughs> whatever. Um, and so, you know, here, now one of the things is like Christmas lights, um, you know, it's, it's in some ways I'm like, oh, I've seen one Christmas light, uh, then seen the next one. It's like they, they kind of run together. But not if you're a preschooler, right? Because the preschoolers have this incredible way of seeing the world for like the first time. And if you go with the preschooler to see lights, they're like, whoa, that is awesome. And you're like, wait till you see the house down the street. And they're like, this is amazing. Like, right, because there's something about something that is beautiful, something that is different, that is awe-inducing. Right, and then you go to the next house and they're like, whoa, this is amazing. Right, and, and, and we get so accustomed to light, we get so accustomed to beauty, we get so accustomed to things that we've lost our sense of awe and we've lost our ability to be halted by awe. I was, uh, I, was I don't even remember who I was talking to, but they were talking about their, um, when their family comes into town, the first place they go is Brahms. You and I, we're mostly accustomed to Brahms. We can go get Brahms frozen yogurt right after church. You're going to go to Turkey Bingo. But hypothetically, you could go right after church. But people, when they come to town, and I had some people, they, they're, they're visiting their family from Costa Rica, and they're like, yep, first place I went was Brahms. Right? The awe of Brahms, you know, for us, it's just like right there. We can walk to it. 
we lose this sense of wonder. And this is part of the entitlement mindset that we sometimes have is we lose the gift of what we have. And for us as Christians, we lose the awe and wonder of Jesus. What would it be like to hear the stories again for the very first time? I mean, I want, I want to read this text from John chapter 18 because it, it, it just, it halted me. Because even, I mean, as I read scripture, I, I sometimes, I forget what's in there. And that's sometimes a gift because then things still shake me up. So this is John 18. Um, and this is as Jesus was being arrested before he was going to be crucified. It said, Jesus fully realized all that was going to happen to him. So he stepped forward to meet them, those who were arresting him. He says, who are you looking for? He asked, Jesus the Nazarene, they replied. I am he, Jesus said. Judas, who was betrayed him, was standing with them. Jesus said, I am he. And they all drew back and fell to the ground. Can you imagine that scene? If you're just standing there watching, when Jesus spoke the words and the power of his name, the awe-inducing name, I am he, and everybody fell down like a bunch of bowling pins, what would that have been like? But we can get so accustomed to Jesus, to the stories that we lose our sense of awe and wonder that we are dealing with this powerful person. That's why we come to worship, because it sets as a way to remind us to look around every once in a while and remember what Jesus has done, to remember his love, to remember his goodness, to remember his faithfulness, to hold on to these stories so that we can trust that he is going to move in the future. And so there is this power that comes from the name of Jesus that by speaking his name, people will fall down. Sometimes uh, we, we've sung, I speak the name of Jesus over you. Because just through his name, we can, amazing and miracle things happen. And so we have to realize the power that the Lord has. I mean, this is what I hope, that whenever somebody has power, that they recognize the power that they have. Right? I mean, I, I think about every teenager who's on the road. I want them to recognize the power that they have by driving a car. That it's not easy, it's not simple, that you have life and death in your hands. That's power. And we need to do the same thing, right? I think about the power that we have right here in our hands. To be able to access, to be able to communicate, to be able to become addicted. There's power that's right here, right in front of us. Of course, one of the most powerful things that you and I have, something that we need to fear, that we need to give honor and respect to, is our own mouths, our own tongues. Because we have the power to bring life to people, to encourage people, to say things that will lift people up. And we also have the power to say words that will tear people down. You know, we had that saying as kids, I don't, wonder, I don't know if kids, if we still have that, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's not true at all. Because I guarantee that if we go around this room and I ask some of you all, what are some words that were spoken to you that still hurt you? You could say them. You could say, somebody once said this to me. Somebody once said this to me, and I still lingers with me. Our words, we should have fear of our words because they have power. I mean, and for me as a, as a pastor, that's one of the things that, that I remember when I, I stand up here is that, is that there's an audacity of the moment. To, to be able to believe that I can speak on behalf of God to you all in your situation. So I have to hold this power with fear. Knowing that I can lift up or I can discourage. And that's a, that's a hard place. 
for us as people who are teachers of the Lord. Because ultimately, what does it mean to fear the Lord? It's about choosing to honor God as priority, to say this is what matters most. What God wants is what matters most. Who would I rather please is one way to think about it. Would I rather please God? Would I rather please myself? Or would I rather please somebody else? Am I choosing priority to understand that the God of the universe is the one that I need to give my most honor and the one that I need to choose? Not out of compliance, but out of obedience that is birthed from love. Because God has loved me with an overwhelming love. I need to go and to live a life of gratitude, of generosity, of thankfulness, and of surrender to his will and to his way. Because ultimately, the way we go from entitlement to contentment is the pathway of gratitude. This whole sermon series that we've been talking about has been about kind of how do we have hope in this world? And we've been looking at a few different ways in which we can have a living sort of hope. And one of those practices that we can have is the practice of gratitude. That whenever we are grateful, it changes the way we think, it changes the way that we see the world, and it helps us to be able to see the ways in which God is already moving in our midst. Now, the simple way that I understand gratitude is this, is that gratitude is noticing and naming good. Is that gratitude is simply noticing and naming good. And the truth of the world is, is that you will find what you are looking for. If you're looking for good in somebody, you'll see it. If you're looking for ways in which they'll irritate you, you'll see it. And so we need to be people who are noticing and naming the good. It's recognizing that God is at work in situations. And one of the things that as your pastor, I, I'm just thankful for, for you all and for this church. Um, and there are so many good things that happen. I, I, think, about turkey, I think about our generosity barbecue um, that we had this past uh, week. And it was so great to be able to, to hear the stories and to hear about some of the ways in which God is at work. It was, it was great to be able to, we had little Hollis, and I think Hollis is four, right? Is that right? Um, and he was able to, to pray for us. I want to be the kind of church in which a four-year-old can pray in front of us, Right? I want to be the kind of church, Sydney Steele, who's one of our, our students, uh, she shared her testimony and talked about how important camp was. I want to be the kind of church in which, in which camp and investing in our students and our kids is so important. And as a dad, it's been so, um, I'm so grateful for the ways that you all have walked with me as a dad and also with my kids as well. I'm just so thankful that, that we are intentional about reaching the next generation I want to be, I'm thankful for the ways that you support me as a pastor and our other pastors and staff that we have, that um, while sometimes it can be hard, you all, you all speak words of life and you encourage us. I'm so thankful for the ways that you all love your community. I, I, I think back to our, our time here, um, oh my gosh, my memory is failing me, Western Days, that's what it was. What a great day Western Days was. Where you all handed out water and hot dogs and provided seating and shade and all sorts of wonderful things. We want to be the kind of church that does that for our community. That we do that with our Christmas Bazaar. There's uh, Trunk or Treat is another just generous act. And I'm just thankful that you all say, hey, let's just be generous to our community. I'm thankful for the ways you all love one another. You know, there are often times I don't even know what is happening in the church because you all are the church. And there are gifts that you all are giving each other. You're, you're texting each other. You're, you're meeting and praying together in Sunday school classes. I only know a fraction of what the ministry of the church is about because so much of it is you. And I don't see you in your workplace the way that you encourage other people. So thank you for being a representative of God out into the world. 
I'm thankful for the ways that you welcome new people. It's hard to welcome new people. It's hard for them to get involved, but we've had 36 people join the church here over the last couple months, and, and we believe that they are feeling the sense of you belong here. So thank you for welcoming and embracing new people. And I'm thankful for the ways that you try new things. Uh, one of the things that uh, the, the staff will say is, is I'll, say st- I'll say this, like, why don't we just try it? And as a church, we've tried things over the past few years. We'll see what happens if. Um, and wonderful things have happened. Now, one of the things that we started to try a couple of years ago was to have a theme for the year. And so this year, we've been talking about the year of faithfulness and how God has, a, has just the next faithful step. And so many of you are, are reading the Bible day after day, and it's so great for you to put on your dots on the read scripture board and just being faithful as a church to take the next step and the next step. So oftentimes, we want to get 20 steps ahead, but we can only take one step. But in in 2023, we're going to have the year of gratitude because I think that that is something that this world needs, is it needs to be surrounded by grateful people in a grateful place. So what does it mean for us if 2023 is the year of gratitude? And so here's some of the things and practices that I'm going to invite us to try and that we as a church are going to help you all out with. Now, the first thing is I want to encourage you all to practice gratitude through having a gratitude journal. Um, and that we are going to uh, just write down a few things every day in ways in which you see God moving, things that you are thankful for. Because again, you notice and you celebrate what you name. And so what if we are to write down a few of the things that you are thankful for? And so get a new journal, or we're going to get some as well, and, and we can do this. Now, I even know that kids can do this. In fact, this is a great activity um, for kids. My, my kids went on a grandparent Uh, what's called tiger training camp and they did the attitude of gratitude and they had a gratitude journal can we embody this in our kids to give them an opportunity to 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 learn gratitude in an entitlement world another way we're going to practice gratitude is by prioritizing worship here Um, that that we believe that it's important to come together because this is the time in which we stop and we look around We stop and we honor God. And one of the ways we say thank you to God is that we worship. In fact, this is one of the primary ways that we do it. So we practice gratitude to God and to one another by prioritizing our worship together. Another way I want us to practice gratitude in the coming year is by sharing thanksgiving at meals and meetings, I said. As good good Methodists, we have lots of meetings. Um, But we're going to just be offering. What are we thankful for at the beginning of our meetings as a way to be looking for the good, of noticing and naming the good? But also as meals, and so I invite you as family or when you sit down with friends, one of the things that we do as a Tiger family is we go around and we say, what three things are you thankful for today? It's just a a habit and a rhythm and a discipline that we have when we sit down together, and it's a gift to be able to hear. Sometimes it's really quick and really mundane, but other times there's some gold that shared about the good things that God would do. Thank you for listening to the Mustang UMC podcast. Once again, our services are at 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. every Sunday morning, and we would love to see you there. For more information about the Mustang United Methodist Church, please visit us at mustangumc.org or email us at office at mustangumc.org. That is office at mustangumc.org. We hope you enjoyed.